Welcome to Promo Cares Radio, where we dive into the good being done in the promotional products industry. From general philanthropy to cause marketing to giving programs, we're here to shine a light on those inspiring stories that are helping to improve the world through promo. And now, Promo Cares Radio with your host, Roger Burnett. This is Promo Cares Radio. My name is Roger Burnett, co-founder and president of Promo Cares and vice president of sales for Branded Logistics. As the host of Promo Cares Radio, I'll serve as your goodness valet, delivering stories about the awe-inspiring and inspirational ways businesses and business people are doing good in the communities they live and serve. Today's guest is the embodiment of what Promo Cares is all about. From headbands of hopes, humble beginnings in a college dorm room, to being featured on the Today Show, Good Morning America, BuzzFeed, Vanity Fair and more, from hosting proms at children's hospitals, being dubbed the ultimate game changer by Women's Health Magazine, donating headbands to every children's hospital in America and 15 countries, making it on CNN when she finished the Krispy Kreme challenge, oh my God, all the while teaching her dog to sit, stay, and shake, Jess Ekstrom's story is one of making a difference while making a living. Please welcome Jess Ekstrom. Thank you for having me. That was that was quite the intro. <laughs> yeah, y'all, you know, it's uh if you if I can't flatter you in the first fifteen seconds of the presentation, I probably am not gonna be able to keep you interested. So <laughs> I'm interested all in. <laughs> awesome. So Jess, we're jumping on the elevator for ninety seconds and I happen to ask you what you do for a living. How would you respond? to use business for good that's pretty straightforward yeah yeah <laughs> so uh Actually, elevator pitches in 90 seconds it's more like 10 seconds exactly exactly so a couple different answers for well that. so i'm compelled to know more so we're still riding up that elevator so okay elevator so, broke down right going. <laughs> um i started a company called the headbands of hope in 2012 and for every headband sold we donate one to a child with cancer, and yeah, we're going on six years now. Six years, that's fantastic. And, um, you know, while we definitely want to highlight people who are doing really, really good works of philanthropy here on Promo Cares Radio, we are absolutely about uh, business, business and business success as well. So uh, we definitely have a results-driven crowd that's going to be listening to this uh, particular podcast. So tell us about the specifics of the business, you know, kind of like the growth you've achieved over that period of time and, you know, how, how you're measuring that as a business person. So uh, the, the business started out of my, my dorm room in college. So needless to say, there was a lot of room for growth. <laughs> right. Where I started really just, um, I just remember selling headbands to, to, students on campus um to knocking on doors that were you know stores in the area and and just begging them to give me a chance to carry my headbands and um now this past year we actually launched in all thousand ulta locations across the country um and to date we've donated over two hundred thousand headbands to kids with cancer and a couple initiatives that have kind of come out of this and going to the hospitals um, and kind of seeing more of not just 
headbands that are needed, but um, other experiences for patients, like uh, creative outlets. So we started a DIY headband program where they can design and create their own headbands, which is really fun. And then we've also been a part of hosting hospital proms at children's hospitals for, for kids who can't go to prom. And, you know, the bigger we get, the more room we have to be able to do things like that. So it's been it's been really great to measure our success in that way. Sure. How about just physical bodies from, you know, it used to be you and I'm sure guessing uh, some yeah. people you would ask for help, but I mean, I'm, I'm expecting that the organization has more people involved. So kind of speak to yeah. where that's at. So now we're a team of seven, still seven. small, but um, not just me anymore. And uh, I think that that was like one of the bigger turning points in Headbands of Hope was when I could make that first hire and just have more hands on deck. And I think like one of the things as an entrepreneur, um, you know, one of the fears of, that I had was no one will ever care about this business as much as I do. And I was totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> if, if anything, I'm telling my staff to like, calm down, you know, we'll get, we'll get the next one. It's going to be okay. Instead of vice versa. So that's been a pleasant surprise and totally changed the game for me to have, um, a great team. No, it, it, gosh. And, how gratifying to know that there are more than one other person in the world who identifies with what you've done so passionately that they can carry yeah. that message in the same way that you're capable of doing it. You know, in a lot of ways in entrepreneurship, that's one of the first things that is most difficult to get to, to let go of is that, okay. that notion of I, I have to do it all because only I will do it to the degree of how I would care about it. And, Exactly. You can be astounded oftentimes if you've done a good job in picking, of course, who, yeah. who, you, who you've brought along. Yeah, and I think also people that, um, you, you know, as a small business, you feel like um, you're never going to be able to afford this kind of high-level talent. Um, but when you do have, you know, a mission that, that's meaningful, uh, people want to use their time and skills and talents to be a part of that. Um, so we've been able to have great people with an, ama like an amazing variety of skill sets to, to join the team and, um, you know, and be able to, to afford that. And also, uh, they grow as the company grows. Absolutely. No doubt about it. So, uh, let me back up the train a little bit. So let's uh -huh. talk, let's talk about the origins of the business, right? So, uh -huh. so there you were, you were interning, and, yes. and that sort of that immersion in what you were doing led to opportunity. So talk a little bit about that moment and kind of how that all came to be. Yeah, it, um, it actually all started in Disney World, believe it or not. I really? was interning there my freshman year, and I was a photographer and um, was getting to take people's pictures, and it was amazing. And But the, my favorite thing that I got to do as a photographer was photographing kids that were there on their wish through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And so that led to my second internship when I was a sophomore at, at NC State. Um, interning for Make-A-Wish, and that was when I really saw kids that were losing their hair to chemotherapy and be given a wig or a hat, kind of the reactionary approach of hair loss, here's something to cover it up. Um, and a lot of kids weren't really concerned with covering up their heads. They just wanted something that could restore their self-confidence uh, through fashion. So I saw so many of them, you know, putting the wigs and hats aside and wearing these fun headbands or bandanas and flower crowns. And I just thought that that was, I, I just thought it was so cool how they were just really 
embracing who they were and what they were going through, but still using accessories to like find their, their identity. And, um, so I, it started with just this idea to provide headbands to kids with cancer because I did a couple of quick Google searches and that wasn't being done. Um, and ultimately, you know, through a couple trial and errors, I found the best way to do that was, um, through starting headbands of hope and using this as, a vehicle to deliver headbands and also just make people unite, you know, for this cause. So that's kind of what I expected you would say. So, Mm -hmm. but you've read the book, The E-Myth by chance. Have you ever read The E-Myth? Okay. So, so the, the central premise to The E-Myth is there's almost like a big bang theory when it comes to the start and creation of a new business. And it's mm-hmm. oftentimes it's an operator that is already employed in the practice of whatever it is that is their business. And they say to themselves, I believe that I could do this better than it's being done today. And they go off and form their own company only to mm-hmm. quickly realize that they don't know the first thing about starting a company or owning a business. So in your mind, was it, was that a revolutionary thing for you or was that more evolutionary? Did you, did you always know that you were going to do that or was it like, oh my God, I need to start a business and how do I do that? Like, how did did that come to be? You know, I would love to say that there was this big light bulb defining moment um, where like the clouds parted, but that really wasn't how it went. I think I was just so focused on, on solving a need. And the answer to that was a business. Um, and at that point, you know, I didn't know if this was going to be something that I did, you know, just, and then I graduated and went on and did something else, or if it was going to turn into something, but there was only one way to find out. And I think that growing up, my dad was an entrepreneur. And, um, so I was really fortunate to be able to see that Mm -hmm. and see it firsthand. Um, so taking that, that leap and having that confidence to be an entrepreneur, um, wasn't something that was so far off. It wasn't like I, you know, would go to bed at night writing up business plans, but it was, it was something that it didn't seem like this foreign thing. Um, and I didn't realize how, how fortunate I was to have that until after I made that decision to, to be an entrepreneur and, and saw that this was not something that a lot of people are exposed to. Um, so I hope that with my story, it just kind of humanizes the process and you don't really have to have all your ducks in a row and have it all figured out to, to start a business. Um, as long as you feel like it's a value to, to solve a problem. Um, and then after I did that, it kind of, evolved into something greater and I realized you know maybe I won't apply for jobs and just give this a shot (laughs) I'm glad I did well you gave yourself the opportunity to see and Mm -hmm. more often than not people who are my age will say if they have a regret if when Mm -hmm. they come to the end of their career is that they didn't take the chance to find out and and you know that's we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we get through what I want to talk to you about because there's a big part of that that I feel like is important to get communicated. But before we get there, there's this whole other part of your life on top of what you've done. And in a lot of ways, I feel like it's what it's, it's what's what you've done has afforded you some things that perhaps had you not done it, you wouldn't have. But um, so so I want to talk about like your 
you're a speaker, you, you're a content producer, you're a con like you're taking what you're doing and making it more than the work you're doing by the message that you're able to spread, which then you would hope if you're doing that well is only enabling more of what you're trying to accomplish. So I, I kind of call that a cyclone of good. Mm -hmm. And um, so, I, so I, I wanna, like that analogy, cyclone of good. It's I a total cyclone. It's, it has this amplification effect, right? Like mm -hmm. the more you're able to do it, the more you're capable of doing. And once you get into that, right, the, the corollary of that is typically what, you know, when they say someone is circling the drain. So mm -hmm. to me, like you have, you have three choices. You can stay the same, you can circle the drain, or you can try to have a cyclone of good. So, um, so talk about that journey for you. And like, did mm -hmm. you, again, same thing. Like, did you know someday I would love to be a speaker and stand up in front yeah. of a big group of people and deliver a speech that yeah. could, could compel people to be motivated to do something like talk about that side of things. Yeah, no, that's such a good question because it was something that wasn't, was not expected. Um, I think the closest I got to public speaking was teaching fitness classes and college and standing up in front of people. And then I got um, an email one day, my junior, senior year, and it was when Headbands of Hope was still small, but we were picking up speed. We had gotten some press and, um, it was Marshall University that reached out and said, "Hey, what are what are your rates? We want you to come talk to our students about about starting, you know, a business in college." And I was like, "Rates? Like I will do this for free? <laughs> Just, right. You know, like cover my flight and give me a sandwich and we'll call it a day." <laughs> um, and then after I did that, I just had. I, I was like, wow, this is something where not only can I talk about my business and hopefully people are now aware of Headbands of Hope, but it's also a way for me to accomplish a whole other mission of instilling confidence in people to go out and create change and, and, and feel like they can be that difference. And so um, since then, you know, I, I started to speak a lot at schools, which really grew our Headband Hero program, which is like our brand ambassador program. And then um, the past few years, I still speak at schools, but I do mostly um, corporations, conferences to talk about meaningful work and navigating failure. And it's been this whole other, you know, part of my life that was unexpected, but it I, it's just been so meaningful. Um, it, it has also changed my position in the business being, you know, on the road most of the time. Um, and so I've had to kind of adjust with that and my team has adjusted with it, but, um, it, it's been a, a very like welcome facet to what we do, uh, and being able to kind of accomplish all of these things through one profession. For sure. And yeah. To have, oh gosh, I guess it's probably easier for me to describe. Like, I've the largest group of people I've spoken to was about 250 people, okay. and I did I had to deliver about an hour long presentation to that that crowd. I'm I'm sure you can guess from our discussion I'm somewhat of a confident guy when it comes yeah. to talking. Yeah. But I, had I not known what it was I was talking about as well as I did, I would have been petrified. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I know for a lot of people, the idea of like going from the, the notion of being able to to the reality of doing it mm -hmm. is really yeah. the, the largest divide. So. Yeah. So when was that moment for you where you're like, OK, like 
I'm going to deliver this one. And I did it. But there was a moment where like, I've delivered content. I don't have a line of people waiting to speak to me afterwards. So like, when, (laughs) when did you start to see that turn? Or was it was were you hitting home runs on day one? No, definitely not. I, I remember like, driving to the first place that you know was actually paying me to to speak which at the time I was like this is crazy and like pulling over at a McDonald's Hmm. in the parking lot and flipping over my laptop and trying to connect to the wi-fi so I could like look at my presentation one more time before I pulled in and, (laughs) um, and just like having you know um like a timer and and uh, practicing in the mirror. And then, um, I think, you know, it was never a a point where even if I felt like I didn't do so well, it still, um, was, was very well received. And that was, it was so great to have also that confidence boost for myself. Um, and I think as I've gotten more comfortable speaking, I've also allowed myself to get more vulnerable on stage, which is, um, and talk about things that I haven't done so well. And, uh, and instead of just being this girl who is, you know, talking about their business and you can do this too, but say, you know, we're all going to go for it in life. Sometimes this kind of stuff happens and guess what? You brush yourself off and keep going. And I think as I've been able to get more comfortable speaking and get more vulnerable, it's, it's had a greater and greater impact because I think you don't, give impact from saying all the things you did right. I think you get, get a greater impact from being genuine and authentic, which um, yeah. I've been trying to do. You, but generally speaking, and it's, it's I like, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. What, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a student of presenting. And mm-hmm. a lot of times what you watch is with confidence comes that ability to be comfortable being vulnerable. And, mm-hmm. and so why not just start with the idea that it's okay to be vulnerable? But, mm-hmm. but here's the thing. This is kind of like the, 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 this discussion about meaningful work that I want to take you to now, right? Because in, in what you deliver, that, that is a very central theme to the message that you're trying to convey. And it's spoken from the perspective of someone who does incredibly meaningful work every single day. So it okay. informs everything that you do and makes you really good at being able to share that. So um, you talk about this recipe and this uh, this combination of uh, the overlap between where your talent and your impact and the quality of the life that, that each of us want to live, like those things okay. together. Um, so a central theme to this podcast series is this notion of not having to leave your heart at the door at work. Okay. Right. So, um, what's your perspective on that? Like, it's so central yeah. to you, but I mean, how, how can we convey this, this idea of, I don't have to set my personal life aside and the things that I believe in and care about when I show up at work every day. And I think there's one thing I want to like debunk right now before I get into this is I think a lot of people look at me and my job and what I do and think it's all hearts and flowers and I'm just skipping through a, you know, field sound of music style, like throwing out flower <laughs> And I, I think that, yes, there's something so integral to what we do that is philanthropy focused, but 
we also operate just like any other business and we have the same headaches and same pain points. We have to pay taxes. Like we have, um, to keep the lights on, you know, I have some of the same worries. Um, and so why we do it is different, but that's not unique to us. People can find that purpose in a wide range of jobs. Um, there, I was reading this, uh, this study at Yale and they interviewed, custodians that worked in the hospital and one group of custodians that were really unhappy with their work um, said that, you know, when asked about their job, they said that they clean the floors, they take out the trash. Why are they there? They need to pay the bills. They need to get benefits for their family. When asked what their job title was, they said that they were custodians. Mm -hmm. Then this other group of people who were very happy in their jobs, um, Every day, they one of them took it upon herself to shuffle the artwork in the different hospital rooms because she worked in the hospice section, so she wanted them to get different visuals every day. And then the other one kept tally of who got visitors and made it a point to go to the rooms that didn't get as many visitors. Um, obviously, these were things that were not in their job description, but they were creating you know, this meaningful work, they were building on top of their assigned roles. And when asked what their job was, one of them described her job as a healer. And the other one said that she was an ambassador of the hospital. And so I think that meaningful work is not assigned to you. It is created by you. And that can come in so many different forms. It doesn't have to be headbands of hope where it's one for one. I mean, there's a guy at the gym every morning that I go to who cleans all the equipment, but he is counting my reps for me and he is doing push-up contests with other people. It is, it's something that you don't have to soul search your whole life to find a job. You can find something and create on top of that, your meaning and your purpose, but that probably won't be listed in your job description and it's up to you to get there. Ever. It's never. Mm-hmm. Maybe it should be. Maybe that would help, right? Maybe yeah. we, if we wrote in like, we want you to bring as much joy to your own life at work as you possibly can every day. And I will give you bonuses and raises and promotions and anything yeah. else I can give you if you're able to do that. It's just a quick aside. We, um, in our business, we have people on our production team and the uh, complexity and difficulty of those jobs varies greatly from highly complex and very difficult to not. Probably our most joyous employee is the guy who has the least complex, least difficult job. And he brings amazing joy to what he does. When he finished packing a box that's ready to go out, he has all of these little different noisemakers that he will use to signify that, hey, I did another one. And everyone in the shop when he does it, it's like a cheer every single time. Yeah. So he's taken something completely sort of not fun and turned mm-hmm. it into something joyful. So mm-hmm. two examples there. And it's sort of like, I, I always, I like to close, like we're, we're talking to the skeptical right now. We're talking to the, I'd like to, but I don't think I can person. Right. So I don't, I'm speaking on behalf of the person who won't say this because they're only listening is I don't know how to, I don't even know what that would be for me at my job. So how do I start? How do I, Mm -hmm. what's the first thing I should do? If, if this meant anything to me today, what should I do tomorrow? 
Yeah, I think even starting with little things that that make your job more meaningful and still a sense of community, feeling more engaged to like what happens with each transaction. Um, and even just starting like with your day-to-day interactions, like my, my husband works for um, a company called Surprise HR and he has a sales team that he manages and every sales call that they have together, they always go around and talk about good news, something that's happening in their life. It could be work-related or or not. And even just things like that, that are just making your, your day to day and your relationships stronger. But I would say the number one thing that you can do to find that right now is to ask yourself who you serve, not who you sell to, not who your target customer is, what your demographic, but is who you serve, because that repositions the way that you think about your customer in, in your mind and what you're doing. And it's, focusing on the value that you're bringing to them and not what you're selling to them. And that also poses the questions to what do they need and how can I serve them better? And to focus your jobs and your actions based off of your answer to that question will be the first step in providing meaning to your job. Small, small incremental steps get a little bit better every day. Something as simple as I am going to smile when I talk to people and I'm going to not, even if I'm not in a great mood, I'm just going to smile and, and, yeah. and have a pleasant disposition. Even if I have a storm going on inside my brain, if yeah. I can, if I can realign myself to everyone having a pleasant experience with me when they come into contact with me, perhaps I actually just start feeling better every single day and yeah. starting with feeling better that's a group, group, good place to start, right? So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm hoping our listeners are excited. If people want to know more about Headbands of Hope, give us some ideas of how they might do that and how they might interact with you beyond this conversation. Yeah. First step is hitting up our website, headbandsofhope.com. And actually this year, we a couple months ago, we launched our Headband of the Month Club where you receive a headband and give a headband every month. And so that's been um, something really exciting that we've done in a way for people to kind of keep the good going and keep those continued donations. Uh, so headbandsofhope.com, sign up for Headband of the Month Club. Also, we're on Instagram, Facebook, at Headbands of Hope. And you can find my handle on there too awesome this has been great i'm fired up i want to go help somebody right now so you did your job jess thanks so much and uh, thank you for giving me the platform to do it i appreciate it and let's uh hope we get a chance to talk again huh yeah thank you